just a bunch of witty banter. Good play, Papa. Hey, I'll equip, you'll have equip, we'll both have equip. Hello, friends and family. <laughs> You're listening to Witty Banter Podcast, your favorite podcast on your phone. I am Chase Williams, and to my right is the pride of the sunset, Hunter Dorset. How are you doing, Chase? Doing fantastic. It is September 6th on a beautiful Austin day. Yeah, it is what, like 1 o'clock right now? It's 1.04 p.m., and, it's and it is game freaking day. Texas game day. Who are, we, who are we playing today? Today we're playing BYU, which is a big game for us this year. Yeah, because what happened last year, man? <laughs> they ran the ball 550 freaking yards on our Texas oh my D. God. That's the worst that we've ever experience as far as like the most rush yards that have in ever history? been scored on us. Well, I'm glad you had the painful stats because I didn't <laughs> I didn't even I didn't even know that. That's it's bad, not man. fun, dude. It's not a fun stat. So we're looking to uh, you know, uphold the tradition and whoop that whoop that butt this year. I, I hope so. I mean <laughs> granted, I think we're gonna enjoy any game because our seats are sick. Yes. We're section twenty seven Row four. Fourth row, people. Row four. Fourth row, people. You don't even understand how good these seats are. I can smell the breath of the cheerleaders. (laughs) Essentially, yes. But no, the only thing that kind of sucked about the last game was that we, for some reason, we just picked this little pocket of seats where this was such 50 a, people just uh, conglomerated into this one area where they didn't even have seats, and like you could hear them whispering to each other, like, yeah, I don't, I don't even know where my seats are. And then you're like, hey, man, uh, so you don't know where your seats are? And he's like, no, dude, I, I sit here for sure. Yeah, I, sit, you I know. can show you my ticket. Well, why don't you do that? <laughs> what? Well, it's okay. not with me. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that so was that's... ridiculous. <laughs> well, anyway, thanks for listening to Witty Banter. Uh, we're back into our normal like schedule routine as, far as, as far as the, the setup of the show goes. Last week, if you listened in, we tried our first little go at Deep Cuts, and we had a really fun time. Thanks again to Cole Blair for showing up and making last episode special. He's always a, th- a thrill to be around. Yeah. So every episode, we review a beer. Uh, Hunter, what beer are we reviewing? So the beer that we have chosen today is from... What did we say the brewery was? It's Wasatch. It's W-A-S-A-T-C-H, right? Wasatch from Utah, Salt Lake City, Utah. And it is a white India pale ale, Mm -hmm. white IPA, and I think it's called Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider. So Hunter, while you're pouring yours up, I'll describe why we sort of chose this one. Um, I've only had one other white white IPA before. (laughs) A YPA. A YPA, baby. (laughs) And I had it from Deschutes. The Deschutes Brewery, and I loved it. It was super good. The um, I guess they call it a white IPA because I guess the malts are probably really light. But the last white IPA I had, the hops were super citrusy, and it was one of the most like refreshing, clean finishing IPAs I've ever had. And I've I've been waiting to get a second take on another one from a different brewery. That's bubbly. Yeah. So we've got it poured up. The head is pure white. And it's incredibly unfiltered. Like I can, I can get barely, barely get any light through it, and um, it's straight up yellow. Yeah, it's. I, I mean, not to be a, a negative. It's not something that we're trying to use as a negative way of describing it, but it kind of looks yeah. like pee a little bit, like a you know, like <laughs> or maybe a banana. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I'm just saying that it has that sort of like you know murky little look, but I think that it honestly it looks really like bubbly. Yeah, it looks like the carbonation for me is like really standing out for some reason. Um, Taste have you, have, you, uh, have you smelled it? Have you gotten the... Uh, yeah, so it's definitely got a strong hop smell, which is, you know, kind of what we were expecting. Ooh, I like, I like. But um, It's like strong, but it seems light at the same time. Yeah. Not like overpowering strong. So I was looking for, with the last white, the last white IPA I had was a, um, like, really citrusy. I think this one's more piney, like okay. a pine needly taste. I think I can, I think, it, yeah. In smell. Yeah. And um, on the taste... I think it tastes just kind of how it smells, but I also don't think it lingers like around very long. Okay. I think it, cl- it finishes really clean. I agree. It's only 6% alcohol, so it's not incredibly strong. Um, That's a good, I mean, it's a good amount. The other one we were looking at was 4.9, and that just wasn't going to happen. Yeah, that's not good enough we're not, for me. It's not, if it's not 5, get out of here. Our blood's too thick for that <laughs> shit. <laughs> I actually really like this beer now that I tried it. It seems like... It's really refreshing. It's really, because, it, yeah, it's like a light... Easy IPA that goes down well and it cleans, it, it finishes clean, but it still has like, yeah, a little bit of bitterness. It yeah. still has like flavor and body mm-hmm. to it. So I really like this. Like yeah. just starting off. It smells piney. 
it tastes piney. The bitterness is barely there, but it's there. And I say it's more there on the, the finish, the aftertaste. But the beer itself is super easy to drink. It goes, like, it's not very thick. Um, whatever malt, they like, it's not a very malty right. beer. I agree. Um, it's easy. I'm, I'm enjoying it right now. I am, it's too. sessionable. Way to go, Wasatch. Good, you're, you're starting off on the right <laughs> foot there, guys. <laughs> Good job, you guys. All right, well, do we want to go ahead and just bust right into the to banter time? We're just bust this thing wide open. All right, well, this is Witty Banter. <laughs> okay, so um, I'm going to go ahead and go first, if that's okay with you. Please do, good sir. So do you remember a long time on the show, before we had gone to Europe, we talked about that Gotham prequel series? Yes. Where Gordon was going to be the uh, the main character and all that? Yes, still have kind of... Uh, don't yeah. know about it. Well, in an unprecedented move, Netflix has secured the rights from the, to the show from Warner Brothers. And this means that Netflix will exclusively be able to play the show after it airs on Fox. So basically what's going to happen is after the show comes out, the whole season, it's going to go directly to Netflix, and Netflix has the right to, to uh, stream it. Damn. And once it's finished with Fox on actually airing, you'll be able to watch all the episodes on Netflix. Do, uh, do you think that they have like an exclusive thing where only Netflix, or do you think they'll have reruns probably on Fox and stuff too? Oh, I'm sure Fox will be able to play it whenever they want, but it sounds like as far as being able to consume the show after it's debuted, Netflix went ahead and snatched it up. I bet that that'll be the majority share of their viewership. On Netflix? Mm-hmm. Yeah, more than likely. That's, I mean, that's just a guess, but this I seems mean, logical to me. And we were already <laughs> talking about how I was kind of on the fence about maybe getting rid of Netflix, but this is the kind of moves that you know these video streaming services need to have where they have exclusive content to their, um, to their platform. Yeah. And it seems like Netflix has really been diving into that endeavor. Yeah, and Netflix is like, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I said before, you know, I changed my mind because he, he was considering getting, Chase was considering getting a video store what, a yeah, membership. Yeah, I, I love video membership. And just right away, I was just kind of threw it out the box. Like, dude, that's just an obsolete, <laughs> you know, system. Yeah. You shouldn't be buying into an obsolete system. And I used Netflix as kind of the reason why you shouldn't be doing that. But then I started thinking about it like, wait, does Netflix actually provide things that I really want like on an overall basis? But yeah, like if they start doing stuff like this, I'm do- totally down to keep up, up mm-hmm. with Netflix for sure. It's a, yeah, it's a perfect way for us to see this, uh, see this show. The last thing I want to add, it was the deal that they made equals out to roughly $1.75 million per episode. Per episode? Yeah, Damn. that's big, man. I mean, for Netflix, I have no idea. It's probably just a penny in the bucket, but... Yeah. It's still a lot. Still a lot of money us. getting thrown around. <laughs> we still like to comprehend those, those <laughs> sizes of money. Yeah, if I could have like a percentage of that. Yeah. <laughs> and when I mean percentage, I mean like two or three. like an interest share of that. <laughs> yeah. All right, go ahead, man. Okay, so one of my little stories is that NASA has a 3D printer that Ballin. is ready to put into orbit. Okay. And what the idea is, is uh, this 3D printer was actually developed by this company called Made in Space, and it's a small company that's focused on like adapting 3D printing for manufacturing in space. Sweet company name, by the way. Yeah, Made in Space. And so, um, essentially, it's the size of like a microwave, uh, the printer is. Damn, that's and, it? Yeah. And it's smaller. A lot, it's a lot more of just a proof of concept, okay. because they're essentially just seeing that if they go into a zero-G environment, yeah, that they yeah. will be able to not only accurately 3D print things, but also have like the sustainability that we have on Earth. To even make sure that the machine can work in zero gravity right, and stuff. Right. And then like the products, once the products are made, like will they be able to withstand pressure and stuff the way that they can withstand those same kind of pressures on Earth, you mm-hmm. know? And so, yeah, it's, it's more of a proof of concept thing, but the idea is it's working toward having like a man-made space station where we can just print out everything that we need up in space. So, like if you're... Oh, we wouldn't even need to bring it up there. Right, yeah. And like I, I feel like that would just be kind of one small but very... One small step for yeah. man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course, yeah. Let's be cliche. But uh, yeah, it would be like one kind of small but like very vital step in trying to make life habitable outside of Earth. Well, you know, outside from that, I think 3D printing is the future of manufacturing. It's, dope. You know? it's insane. <laughs> it's it crazy. really is. Uh, you know that UT has just installed a 3D printer that any student can use. No way. Yeah, we can draft our own. Um, I would have no idea where to start. Well, I, I got to <laughs> I got to take an AutoCAD or an AutoCAD class okay. in high school, and um, once you kind of know your way around that program, it's pretty easy to create things and print them, man. 
Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Not that I can do that now, but yeah, <laughs> that's for the future, right? Well, Ballin, hopefully, I like hearing about NASA doing stuff because I feel like I haven't heard much from them in a yeah, while. Yeah, especially like there was kind of like NASA got shut down, you know, at that one point. Yeah. So it's been kind of weary trying to figure out one, just even how much of an organization they are anymore, and two, like what efforts they're continuing to make, especially with all these other like private space exploration efforts. Well, I was going to say, is this company private made in space? I don't know. It didn't say anything about it's private versus Cause public. Because if it is, that's cool. It's I, probably private. I'd I'm say. I'm down for more private companies going out there. And if, mm. if, if our government's not going to take the initiative, then at least somebody is. I think they're private, but I think they're working through NASA, which NASA is like an agent of the state, right. I think. But yeah, I don't know. Just thought okay. that was interesting. Cool. Bring it back around to you, I'm going to grab it over here. Ba-da-boo. All right, so... I have a hunch that you probably picked this news item as well. It's a pretty big one, but I'm going to talk about CVS. Oh, okay. I think you can see it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll just discuss that in, uh, okay. in general. So, cool. yeah, CVS has decided to change its name to CVS Health and stop selling all tobacco products. Um, they're doing this in hopes that other major drugstores and retailers will follow their example, and they are willingly leaving $2 billion worth of tobacco sales on the table. And I think this is amazing. I think that this is Awesome. The fact that they're just like, yeah, we can make this amount of money, but we don't care because yes. we're about health. I mean, they're like, according to the statistic I read, they're the U.S.'s second largest drug retailer. They like, are drugstore in America. Behind who? Like Walgreens or something? Um, I'm not sure. Yeah. I think they're second. Okay. Whatever they are, but um, they have 7,700 stores. And so, Damn. yeah. And so when you start like adding that up and start being like, well, that's a lot less places that like used to sell tobacco products, mm-hmm. and now those will not be available to people. It's just a step in the right direction, you know. Like, I uh, I personally believe that, like, I don't think that cigarettes are just inherently evil or anything. But I think that like there's very few instances where you can smoke cigarettes and it's like for a positive purpose. Like, yeah. You know, like sometimes if you absolutely need it, maybe. But then like you could probably use something else and you know like still get the same kind yeah, just of relaxing else, feeling. Guys. <laughs> so I, I mean, and and it kind of goes in line with like, have you seen all these commercials <clears throat> about like the truth, the tr- like the truth commercials? It's like orange. And they have the white dots that spell out truth. And they're eventually, they're essentially just showing statistics about like youth and youth's ability to be able to overcome cigarettes, which like I think is cool. I think it's a little cheesy. I think it's brilliant, dude. But I think that it's also, if you can make it like, oh, well, as a generation of young people, like as a generation, we can overcome cigarettes. Because that's awesome. Yeah, that's that's (laughs) the thing is like we could be the generation that ends smoking. And like every generation does have a name from baby boomers, generation X, Y, we're the millennials. If I like imagine being the fucking generation that kicked smoking. That would be so and it would be so worth it. It'd be like one of those things that like you can never really take away Mm -hmm. from that generation because that generation is teaching the generations after them, like, hey, look what we did. We like health clearly matters. have like health conscious. But then you start worrying, wondering, like, if we do that, how long will that last until another generation's like, hey, man, we want to be cool and trendy and do cigarettes again. You <laughs> I know, don't know. It's like, <laughs> I don't know. But yes, commemorate uh, CVS on its uh, willingness to sacrifice profits in the sake of health, mm-hmm. which is like what their cornerstone Cause, is about. Because not only are they leaving out this two billion dollars in sales. They're also going to potentially lose 13% of its customers. Because what the, the article I read was saying, geez, because you know, people might not just go in there just to buy cigarettes, mm-hmm. but if they can't get cigarettes there anymore, they're just not going to do their shopping there. They're going to go to Walgreens, get their cigarettes, get their chips, and then leave. Right. So by not like putting that out the window, they're not only losing profit, they're also losing customers. Um, so yeah, just they're clearly making a statement instead of. Tobacco products, they're going to start selling tobacco quitting aids behind the counter, mm-hmm. and they're going to have stations that evaluate customers' readiness to quit and their education as That's far awesome. as quitting. That's sick. Yeah, they're basically giving everyone the tools to quit and kick the habit, and I think it's great. And I have a really simple quote from the CEO. Uh, his name's Larry Merlot. That's a cool name. It's a cool name. Yeah, <laughs> cool name. Uh, and I, I just like the simplicity with which he's approaching this move. I mean, it seems kind of like this big, like when you apply it, across 7,700 stores, you're like, oh my God, such a big deal, yeah. all these numbers. It but is then, a big deal. When you think about it in a simplistic form, the way that uh, Larry Merlot states it is tobacco products have no place in a setting where healthcare is delivered. Yeah, And I think exactly. that's, boom, they, like, yeah. hit the nail on the head. Some sort of, I was reading the same sort of quote where it was just, it doesn't make sense for us to be a health store and sell these tobacco products. <laughs> Which so. is like the antithesis of health. Baller. <laughs> 
Well, high five to CVS, and I'm interested to see how it's all going to end up playing out in the coming years. For sure. So since I sort of stole your thunder there, do you want to go ahead and jump into your last um, Sure. Yeah, this one will be a little bit longer, I think. Cool. Um, and I might need a little bit of your help to play into it. Yeah, sure. Let's just um, bring it out. So it talks about the, uh, the main uh, thing that I'm going to be talking about is there is a partnership between Samsung and Oculus that is developed. Oh, dude, I'm so glad you talked about this. Okay. I almost brought this to the table. Really? Okay, yeah, yeah, let's, let's, let's so do this. So I went ahead and brought it to the Dang. table. I wasn't afraid. No inhibitions here. <laughs> Um, but I'm yeah. still cowering in my desk. <laughs> I don't know if I can handle can that. Can I handle that news story? <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, essentially the partnership between Oculus and Samsung has taken place, and Samsung is creating its own virtual reality headset. It's mm-hmm. called Gear yeah. VR, and um, right now, you know, Oculus I feel like is kind of based in gaming more so. Like that's kind of where they see themselves being directed. But Samsung, I think, is giving them a different avenue to be able to broaden their customer base. And the way that they're doing it is they're showing people the ability of VR through using, essentially just plugging your phone. The phone that they're using is the Samsung Galaxy Note 4. And if I understand correctly, you're basically just putting the phone in front of your eyes. Yeah, essentially you're just like, the phone is the brains and the display of what you're seeing but you're able to interact with it in a VR setting. Okay. And so some people think like that it could be a little gimmicky and that if it's if it's forced upon people and it doesn't really bring about the right like re- response, it might even dis- disincentivize people from getting VR in the yeah. future. But at the same time, uh, apparently the Galaxy Note 4 has like really crisp resolution and it's like a really pretty high quality piece of, of um, craftsmanship. And so they think that like the high quality that Samsung's bringing to the table and then incorporating that in the Oculus software, they think that it could be like a really cool experience for people. And essentially the things that you can do are you can like... Uh, go to simulated concert events and stuff, and you could be like yes. looking around, which and, like, would be so cool. Yeah, and like you could, you could like um, be flying over like New York City buildings and stuff, and just be able to like look around and see yep. just like crazy environments. I mean, and stuff. I, I had a friend, um, my friend Jacob was telling me about the just imagine if you could have uh, some sort of Oculus camera down in the first row of a sports game, like basketball, and yeah. you got to put your rift on or whatever and, and watch the game as if you're first row. Right. How yeah. sick would that be? be pretty dope. And, like, uh, you well, know, this is kind of interesting because this is Oculus... While Oculus got bought out by Facebook for $2 billion, we know that we've talked about it, but... Yeah, if you're, if you're a fan, you're educated. You know that already. <laughs> we've talked about that on the show before, but this is, like, Oculus's first big partnership. This is like the first big like reaching across the aisle with another company and being like, we're going to work on this thing together and, uh, you know, just kind of hope that overall people are going to respond in a positive way. And so um, I was just going to maybe bring it to the table. Like, do you think that this is overall a good strategy for them to maybe release, um, you know, something that's one, not the rift, they're 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 using Oculus software, but they're not using the Rift in this VR setup, this partnership that they're making. And two, the fact that they're not having it centered around games, it's yeah. not centered around like all these other things that we kind of consider Oculus to be associated with. I think it's great, and for a couple reasons. Okay. One, I think it is good that it's not limiting itself to games. Okay, because I think overall adoption of this sort of technology is going to take more than just the gaming community. Granted, that community's gotten pretty big, so I don't want to discount that right, community. Right, of course, right. But I also think the fact that it uses a phone is good for both parties. Because A, if this thing, if if whatever software is being developed that isn't games, and I know a couple game companies have already signed on and they're going to go ahead and develop and like bring some games to this one. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, okay, cool. You're going to go ahead and port, you know, it's right. fine. But if if it's got compelling software... That means it's going to sell Samsung phones. Mm-hmm. And then people who already have Samsung phones have a lower barrier of entry into hooking it up with whatever the rest of the gear is. Mm-hmm. And I think that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I think 
VR is really exciting, and yeah, the fact exciting. that this is already busting through barriers and these partners, the fact that a, a company as big and powerful as Samsung is taking virtual virtual reality seriously, taking the initiative to go meet up with Oculus. Yeah, and not only that, they're obviously going to want to see their investment like return, and so they're going to pour their resources into VR technologies and into applications for VR. Mm. And who knows what that are, what those are going to end up looking like five years from now, you know? Right. And and so, yeah, I, I think it's awesome and I'm, I'm excited for it. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's interesting because, um, I don't know. I just think that the VR landscape is so open. Like we kind of have a frame of reference with which we can kind of, it's like a new frontier. Yeah. It's like a new, it's like a pioneer standpoint thing that we are anticipating for the first time. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think I, I can honestly say that I didn't anticipate the smartphone, you know, like coming about. But oh, nice pour, that bro! Was that pour. was a, that was an amateur pour for you, Look, for those okay, of you at home. Got it. <laughs> Fucked up, I know. All right, but yeah, like I don't know. I think that. Do you think that um, the VR is going in VR headsets? I mean, Samsung's coming out with this Gear VR, and the way that they're making it is they're trying to like advertise it as something where you're not going to be paying for much more than just like the price of your phone. Yeah. Like essentially the VR, the the gear VR won't be very costly. And that's like one of the biggest reasons why they think it's a good idea for them to do it this way. Because one of the biggest I things think, that keeps people from this idea and from going into VR is the price. Yeah. And I think exactly. Um, I think that's brilliant because the only thing in my eyes that's going to be stopping VR from really catching on is that barrier to entry and those price points. And I don't want to see companies artificially making it cheaper to put it into people's households. Like mm -hmm. I want to get the best quality thing, yeah, that I can buy. Right. But if you can make it as cheap as possible, obviously that's going to be better. And if it's for only the price of phone, mm -hmm. Whether that means it's the subsidized price from your car your carrier, like two hundred fifty bucks, or the actual price of a phone, which is like six hundred, mm -hmm. I still think um, the Oculus Rift, like I would be willing to pay four hundred dollars for that. You know? Yeah, I I, I would too. I mean, I, that is worth four hundred dollars. Exactly. It's a total boutique item at this point. Where, yes. but <laughs> it is a great boutique. <laughs> yeah, it is. But I think what it offers, I, th I think that price is totally justified, and mm -hmm. you know. Like I said, Samsung bringing its resources to VR is only going to help VR. So cool, awesome. Yeah, that was pretty much what I uh, had to bring to the table. Um, kind of just what your thoughts on whether or not it'd be a, it's a good move for Oculus to kind of go this different route than kind of this organic like we're just going to build up our own infrastructure. Yeah, kind of I mean thing, you, you have know? to wonder. Oculus is obviously going to benefit from having their software used and expanded, but yeah. if Samsung is kind of only using them to piggyback for a little while until they can like see what it's about and do their own and then actually compete with Oculus. Mm -hmm. You kind of wonder if Oculus is going to be like the next Intel where like Oculus is in every computer headset as a platform in general. Yeah, just yeah. Hell, who knows, man. Yeah. But we'll see. Okay. <laughs> well, for the last little conversation peach here, I need more beer. Yeah, pour it up, man. Get ready. Strap Always. yourself in. Always. It's game day, man. I need more beer. <laughs> Jeez. So this happened uh, about a week ago, but it's such a big news item, in my opinion, that I just wanted to bring it back anyway. Okay. But Amazon has bought Twitch TV for $970 million. I knew you were going to bring this one up. Mm -hmm. <sighs> for sure. And um, as far as the facts and stuff, I'm going to say out loud, I really don't have too much, but I just sort of want to talk about it with you. For sure. So, so real quick, what I want to lay out just for facts, um, Twitch TV, if, if you don't know what Twitch TV is, which you probably do if you're listening to this podcast, it's basically... I did not for a long time until you explained it, so go ahead. Okay, yeah. So it's basically you get an account on Twitch TV and you can stream yourself to their website playing video games. And it's just a live stream. It's as I'm playing Halo, you can hop it's on... It's live? Yeah, it's live. Damn, I didn't know it was live. Mm -hmm. I thought you just recorded it and uploaded it. Oh, no. They have an upload system, but it's a pretty bad one from what I've heard. Their their specialty is is the streaming. Really? Dude, yeah. that's crazy. So, and so you got to be on your game when you're like going Well, that's the thing. Stuff. I was going to say, as soon as I start getting my paychecks and Halo comes out, I'm getting Twitch, Twitch TV and I'm streaming me playing Halo online because I'm going to bust heads on that game. Right. <laughs> anyway, so that's what Twitch TV is, right? Okay. So, Twitch TV accounts for 1.8% of the United States' peak internet traffic. 
and that ranks fourth overall during peak internet hours. So it is the fourth highest visited website in peak hours in the United States, basically. Damn. It's huge. That's quite the uh, landmark. Mm-hmm. And this is all gamers, dude. <laughs> yeah, straight up. <laughs> so that includes 12 billion hours. I mean, not hours. 12 billion minutes watched per month on Twitch TV. Okay. Over 45 million unique viewers per month. 900,000 900, broadcasts per month. Six million total videos per month, and the total uh, minutes watched and and broadcasts have doubled since 2012, with where their unique viewers were 20 million. Um, I'm gonna go through this a little bit more. Twitch users watch on average 106 minutes of content per day. Jesus. 68% of Twitch users have decreased watching TV to focus on their online gaming and entertainment. Uh, 58% of the 45 million unique monthly viewers spend more than 20 hours per week on Twitch. And Holy. yeah, these stats are outrageous. Exactly. <laughs> so for the conversation, Peach, the question I'm going to pose to you is before this buyout by Amazon, it was actually rumored that Google was going to buy Twitch. Yeah. I think that there was like a, uh, like a, a bunch of like a, a, a few different people that were considering, and Google was like a front runner, right? Yeah. So is Twitch the perfect competitor for YouTube? And here's why I ask that. Hmm. If Google would have had Twitch, that would have been just one more video service that would have been owned by Google, where yes. you're gonna go basically into Google for everything. And largely, people, the general attitude is YouTube is a little unresponsive as far as customer support you know they've gotten so big to the point now where like google isn't it's hard for them to listen to every individual complaint and plea and they're kind of you know like yeah re- recently they they force you to sign in to youtube with your google account and they're they're trying to make make youtube this ubiquitous google thing okay and having amazon who is just this behemoth on its own yes throwing competition for online viewership at YouTube might be a good thing. Totally. And especially, it, it takes a lot of technology, a lot of money and resources to have enough servers to keep all of the content on YouTube, mm-hmm. be able to run it as quick as they do. But Amazon also has the resources to do that as well. So right. they're, they're able to set themselves up as a competitor. Right. And... I mean, is that a, you view that as a good thing? I think that if Google would have bought out Twitch, I think it would have been monopolistic in a way. Yeah. And uh, I think that the fact that Amazon did it was one interesting because I haven't really heard of Amazon really getting their feelers into the gaming sphere uh, outside of this this venture. But I think that it's really it's kind of like a clash of the titans. You know, it's like it's like Google versus Amazon this yeah. thing, and like Amazon is trying to establish themselves as this just entity which is can be associated with anything. And so I think that the fact that they kind of grabbed this one little section of like extremely impressive statistics as far as this market that Twitch has created and that they, they went ahead and like threw down for it, even though it's something that's not necessarily a part of their like current portfolio, is huge. And I think it's like really good not only for competition's sake just for just for the mere sake of competition mm-hmm. but i think it's good for twitch because i think that um you know if google is already experiencing this kind of like overwhelming overload of of stimulus and input from people like not being satisfied with their services this is kind of like if that was just coupled in with that twitch might degrade it might right. go on a downslope and so amazon has the ability to actually maybe like uphold those, mm-hmm. those and two values. more things i want to add is a i think it shows the validity of gaming culture and it also shows how big and important it is mm-hmm. that a big company like this pays attention to something as enormous and you, you can't look over twitch you know mm-hmm. and so the fact that they've bought that i think really shows what a mainstream gaming is becoming maybe not exactly in the public mind but in the actual what's going on as far as money and lucrativeness, yeah. it is definitely viable. Well, okay, keep going. Um, then my second thing, the one thing that does, like if I have any caveats as far as worrying goes, is Amazon has been buying buying up different services even from the app store. So there's the uh, Comixology app, which was on 
the App Store, which is a place where you could go. It was a digital marketplace for comic books. Okay. And you would sign in, and basically all of Marvel's offerings or whatever comic book was on there, you could just buy right away, download, and read it. Well, then Amazon bought Comixology, and now you can no longer just buy comics straight off of it. You have to go to Amazon, buy it from Amazon, and then just read it through Comixology. And the reason they did that is because every little um, transaction that goes down within the App Store, uh, Apple gets a cut of. So they wanted to remove the buying process from the App Store, put it all on Amazon. That way they got all of the cut. Okay. But what they did it was they convoluted the system and they made it more complicated. And <laughs> I just hope nothing of that sort. I hope... You know, Twitch has a lot of great things going for it, and I don't want anything to be messed up by maybe Amazon's. I don't. I don't want them their hands only to be on Twitch for the money. I want them to back it wholeheartedly. You want them to bolster it and better it exactly. Yeah. And uh, I mean, the the problems that you were citing, would you say that those were mostly app based problems? I mean, like, no, because the app worked fine, and then Amazon basically added this extra step that you had to go through that way. But they way. added that extra step so that, that Apple wouldn't get that cut. They would get that cut, Exactly. Right? But but that's for an app situation, right? Like, that would that that same situation might not necessarily happen through Twitch. If they just own Twitch, you would just go straight through Twitch, which is owned by Amazon, right? Yeah, but I just hope that maybe, maybe you have to... And I, I don't know if they're going to do this, but what if instead you had to sign in through Amazon and you could only use Twitch if you were a Prime member or something like that? There are definitely Ooh. like paywalls that they could put. Yeah, in front and they of totally it. can. And they like if they buy it, they have the ability to do that for sure. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, hopefully they would. Okay. Hopefully they wouldn't be pulling like gimmicky things like and that. And I really don't think they will. Yeah, I, really I kind of want to pose a question: like, what do you think this means as far as Amazon's um, sites on the gaming industry? Well. I can say that they they have had a little um, a little venture into it just by the fact that you can pre-order video games on Twitch mm-hmm. on Twitch on Amazon. Okay. And they will show up on your doorstep the day that it releases. It Damn, may that's not clutch. it may not be a midnight release like you can go and get your game at midnight from, right. you know, Best but Buy or GameStop. That's more just delivery service kind of stuff, right. right? Like that's not necessarily them like being interested in the game itself. Like that could be just a a piece of cardboard and as long as you'll pay for that service. Like. Well, I'm just saying they I, they know how much money they can make off of video games okay. and they've made it easy to purchase video games. They've Granted. made it easy to sell games on it. They've made it easy to buy used and new game consoles on it. I mean, they, they support gaming as they would support any other process, but they've gone a little bit further and I think this shows how they do view it as important, and they've gone further by allowing you to pre-order it and getting it same day and things like that. Do you think that Amazon will become a player in video game development? Um, or even video game distribution? Maybe distribution, but as far as development, at that point, they are creating content, and I see Amazon right now as a content distributor, not as a content provider. Okay, so maybe not a content provider, but yes, as a content like maybe like a publisher or distributor or something. A publisher would be interesting. That would mean, you know, maybe they potentially just buy studios and, yeah. and reap the reward. And they totally have the ability and the resources I think, I think to do that. I think nothing is impossible with Amazon right now, but I would say that would be a totally out of left field thing. Okay. You know, it's not something I would ex- I expect. Okay. Interesting. Awesome. Okay, well that's um, that's all the news. We're gonna we're gonna have to half time it. Yeah, we're gonna go ahead and take a little break, and then uh, we'll be right back. This is Witty Banter. Don't forget to follow us at Witty Banter Show on Twitter, and shoot an email over to Witty Banter Show at gmail.com. All right, and we are back, and we are ready to go ahead and air out some of our opinions on this beer. Oh, yeah, the beer. Yeah, the, the thing we're drinking. <laughs> thing that keeps us coming back for more. <laughs> the whole reason we listen to the banter. Seriously. Um, dude, I think? still really freaking like this beer. You really freaking like it? Yeah, like, this is, this is a beer that I would totally be willing to recommend to somebody if... Um, if they were looking for something that was light but still had like flavor and was like a beery beer, you know, like yeah. it is a, it's not like copping out behind its lightness. Is mm-hmm. what I'm kind of trying to get at, and that's like a huge thing for me. But its lightness also enables you to drink it easily and drink quite a few of them and, and not feel finishes clean. Yeah, not feel yeah. bloated and stuff. Yeah. Um, as far as the flavors go, 
on the smell, I still think that pininess is is what's coming through, and it has warmed up a little bit. So I'm I'm gonna stick with what I said about the pininess. Mm-hmm. The taste, though. Do you get maybe like a citrusy, like maybe some sort of maybe just just like like a lemon or an orange or anything, you know? Maybe like the slightest hint of like lemony citrusy, but I I don't think that it's something that we should like like broach. I think it's there, but I don't think it's strong. Yeah, I don't think it's enough as something that you would like identify this beer with. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think that like since it's opened up, that it's it's continued to maintain its integrity as far as we initially perceived it and so yeah, right. it's still going good all right cool so we're gonna go ahead and hop into this week's segment and uh, we're not gonna do a game this time but we're gonna bring back an oldie and uh, we're gonna do a get to know your banners Boo-hoo-hoo. oh hey my name is <laughs> hey oh, no you, you no, go no, my bad what, what's your favorite, favorite um i'm Wait, sorry you don't what think... was that get, get to, to know your, your banners. banners all right so this week on get to know your banners i'm gonna go ahead and ask you a question first hunter Please do, man. And my question is, dude, what was the first movie that you ever cried in? Ooh, first movie I ever cried to. Yep. You know, you the emotions are hitting strong. One of your favorite characters just got I don't, brutally murdered. I don't <laughs> know. I can't say which one like I know was the first one that I cried at, but I do know one that I cried at that was like really early on that like stands out to me. What was that? So I'm going to use that one. Um, <laughs> it was the uh, the Pokemon movie. What? Yeah, dude. So listen, Ash Ketchum did not expect this. Ash Ketchum gets to the point where he's like trying to save all these Pokemon from Mewtwo. Mewtwo's being a big, he's being a dick, being okay? a dildo, and he's like turning people into stone and shit. And he's like, get, he's like taking everybody's Pokemon and like essentially just using these evil Pokeballs and like stealing them. And there's this one thing that happens where. Ash gets caught in between, like, two rays of some, like, attack that happened. Yeah. And he turns to stone. Oh, and God. I was like, The protagonist oh. himself. Yeah, like, Ash Ketchum. Like, the dude. This whole story is about. And, the uh, most iconic hat in the business. It wasn't the fact that he turned to stone that really, like, upset me or anything. Like, I was like, oh, well, this is crazy. You know, like, this is a plot twist. It was Pikachu's response to Ash turning to stone. <laughs> this is like what, ten year old Hunter? This is twelve year old maybe? No, no way twelve. Okay. Definitely before like fourth grade and below, I'd say. Was that when the movie came out? Probably, yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll I wasn't into Pokemon in like fifth grade. It <laughs> yeah, was, it you're was probably definitely right. elementary school. Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like I didn't I didn't do the Pokemon thing like when I got to middle school, like but but, but it was elementary school thing. Okay. So it was probably like third or fourth grade. I was like nine or ten. And it was Pikachu's response. Pikachu just starts, like, incessantly Pe- shocking him because that's the only thing that Pikachu knows how to do is, like, <laughs> how to, like, like, use electricity in order to shock people. And, like, he's stoned, so it's not doing anything. And he's just, like, frantically, Ugh. like, getting worse and worse as he's continuing to shock him and nothing's happening. He's just you can like, just oh see the God. despair in Pikachu's yeah, eyes. Yeah, I mean, like, Pikachu is just, like, it's very, like, you can actually see the emotions that Pikachu is portraying, and you're like, oh, my God, like, this is a real <laughs> thing here, you know? So I think that was, like, the first time that I really, like, felt anything in a movie that was that was more than just, like, oh, well, I'm they'll come out of it, you know? Yeah. Like, I was, like, actually really, really sad when Pikachu couldn't, like, well, That's an interesting answer. Yeah. I didn't expect that. <laughs> my, my first... Nerdy. My first, my first tear-jerking moment was uh, I was in second grade, and Ooh. I was upstairs watching this movie alone, and my parents were downstairs, and they're hanging out, and it was Babe in the City 2. I was like, babe, babe 2, Pig in the City. <laughs> pig in the City. Yeah. <laughs> and there's this scene where he's he's friends with this little goldfish, you know. Him and the goldfish are bros. Of course. And um, the goldfish gets out of his water. And he's, like, sitting there on the ground, like, flapping around. He's suffocating. This this fish is dying in front of Chase's little bitty eyes. <laughs> you know? Little and toddler I eyes. literally, I couldn't handle it. Like, watching this fish, like lose air and then all the other animals are like oh my god help we gotta get him in the water what are we gonna do ah and i would i just like ran downstairs i'm bawling my eyes out like hug my mom like and then the fish he got out of the water and he was dying and i didn't finish the rest of the movie that was it i just i didn't even watch the end like of it. ever you never watched never watch it but here's what's funny about that i i told people that that was like the first moment when like i really just lost it and they're like dude like five seconds after that 
Babe like flips him into the bowl and he's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, oh, well, I didn't know that. He's like, here you go. Bloop. Yeah, dude. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, that, I think we both had some interesting responses to that one. <laughs> it was a rough moment, yeah, man. You got to know your banners. <laughs> um, right. So my question that I'm going to pose, it's, it's pretty straightforward, but um, given our recent traveling experiences, I think it's relevant. Okay. Um, if you could choose to live anywhere in the world, where would you live? Wow. I have a preconceived answer, kind of. It's not like a... Now, Resolute are, are these living situations, can can I just live without a job and I have all the money in the Let's world? Let's just say you have a great life. Let's just say you have what you need in order to have a great life, but it's the location that matters. Well, I love America. And I wanted to broach that, too. Mm-hmm. I love America as well. I, I absolutely love America. If I have a great life, I can afford to travel. Mm-hmm. But honestly, man, I think living up in... Somewhere on the West Coast, whether it be like Washington or San Francisco or in wine country would be amazing. Because if you live in San Francisco, you kind of have this like hipster, healthy attitude that Austin does. Mm -hmm. Only you're in California in the Bay Area where it's cool all the time. It's hilly and pretty and you're a drive away from wine country. Okay. Um, You can live in Seattle, which is also sort of the same. Are you serious? Not Seattle, um, but like Washington. Okay. Or Oregon. Seattle is like the most depressing. Co- I know. I know. <laughs> Even as as rowdy as they are as a city, like the I most do. rowdy football. They get after it. Sta- fans ever. So. But if you live up around there, you know, like even in Portland that has the same sort of attitude as as Austin does that we kind of like to a maybe a a fault. <laughs> I, I can't hear Portland or Portland without well, thinking of Portland. Portland yeah, yeah. I, know. I mean, it's just um, but but if you live up there, you also have the camping. You know, you've got you've got the mountains, you've got the woods, and that would forest. be something that you'd have to take into consideration in your answer because, like, I think you'd probably consider like the ability to hike and all that kind of stuff like more than I. Yeah, might, you know. But that being said, I don't want to just shove off the fact that if I could live in some tiny little village in Germany, or surrounded by castles and beer and wine, like that'd be amazing too. Yeah. Or even beaches, like, dude, if I could just live at like Bora Bora or someplace tropical as hell and awesome. I think my place is a beach. Yeah, where where would you live, man? So the coolest place that I've ever been, like hands down, for me was the Amalfi Coast in Italy, mm. and essentially you have to take this like two hour windy road. That is the only thing that would be like, <laughs> not, like make me not want to live here. Not the ideal. Fact that it's like, yeah, it's like it's kind of separate from a lot of secluded. Like yeah, it's secluded from a lot of civilization, but re- like if you don't if you don't really worry about that that much. They have so many. They have all these houses that are built into the side of this mountain, and this mountain like meets the edge of the ocean, and it's just so dope. Like this windy road that literally is just like on the side of the mountain. I'm sure it's a crystal blue. And there's ocean. like yachts and shit everywhere, like in the ocean, and people are just like partying. And then when you get to the bottom of where the road ends, and you walk down this like long set of like stairs and flights of stairs and stuff you reach the beach and they have this badass restaurant that's just like this awesome italian restaurant that's just like literally like sitting in front of where the beach meets the se- meets the ocean and yeah, where the beach meets beach meets meets <laughs> you basically just described two of my favorite things it's like it's the sickest thing garlicky food in the beach is it all was I like need. the best italian food i ever had too like yeah. i don't even like tomatoes and they put like tomatoes all over the bruschetta <laughs> you don't even like tomatoes like like ate like, those tomatoes they put oh. it like on their bruschetta and i was like this is the best thing ever you know like it was it was so magical that it made me like things that i normally hate <laughs> it's hilarious so like i can't even imagine what it would be like to wake up every day in a place like that you right know, and like be able to see that view, but at the same time, when it comes to like logistics and stuff, like it's hard for me to think outside of being in America. You know, like when it comes mm-hmm. to stuff like air conditioning and just, yeah. just everything, everyday things that we kind of take for granted that kind of like aren't over in Europe. You know, right? Um, but I think that if I could choose to like live one place and I had everything that I wanted, it was just location. It would be Amal- the Amalfi Coast. Well, that's a great answer because I haven't even heard of that place. So. Yeah, go check it out, man. If you look it up, like the first Google image that comes up, you'll be like, oh, oh, oh. okay, now <laughs> yeah. I get it. I'm picking up what he's putting down. <laughs> so um, do you have like a finite answer? Or? Yeah, yeah. I'm just going to go ahead and say, um, I'm going to say Northern California. Oh, okay. Just be- yeah, you uh, said that recently. Yeah, you? it's I was just... surprised by that. It's just because... I 
I don't want to move out of America for the sake of moving out of America. I love America, and I think that area gives what I like gives everything that I would want in my later like what I would want from life. So. Okay. It's got restaurants. It's got culture. What about like yeah, games. like the general mindset of that? Yeah, I mean, it's I'm, I don't know if I would agree with the views and everything of there, but it's <laughs> got it's got you know um, technology, culture. It's got food there. Wine countries right across the road. You're Cultural a, drivers. You're you know? a, yeah. You're a drive away from uh, camping outdoors. You're on the coast and you're in, by a, a major airport, so I can leave. You're in probably the biggest and one of the most influential states in America, which is like pretty cool to be a part of. Yeah, you know, which we're a part of Texas, which is way more influential. But Texas, whatever. where the bakeries are shit at, dude. Like as proud as I am of Texas, it's hard for me to say anything outside of Texas where I want to live. But I can definitely see it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, see a place, but a place like you mentioned, that's a place where I would like to retire. You know, yeah. As far as having, and that's kind of like what I think about. Like okay. if I were to retire and like. You know, because like, I still want access to be able to like visit my friends and family, mm-hmm. but God, waking up in a like gazebo where <laughs> I've got a glass gazebo. window in my floor and I can see like stingrays fl- going underneath me and eat Italian food. Come on, <laughs> what do you want? Let me just wake up to this glass of wine. <laughs> anyway, well, that's been get to know your banners. I hope you've gotten to know us a little bit more. Okay. Yeah, um, stuff. So let's go ahead and hop on over to Nick's, Nick's Mail Corner. It's Nick's Mail Corner! Yeah, let me open it real quick. And look inside. Hey, hello? Oh, surprise! <laughs> Nobody emailed. No one there. No one even cares about us. We checked it. No one. They're just like, dude, you know what I want to know about, or just from the Woody Banzer cast? Nothing. Nothing at all. Literally nothing. <laughs> I don't care what their favorite soda is. I don't care what their favorite TV shows what kind are. Of underwear do they wear? Yeah. What socks do they wear? I don't care that they like Goku and I don't, and I want to argue <laughs> about it. I don't give a flying. They don't care. <laughs> they don't care. Well, yeah, I mean, come on, guys. We, hey, but we had a great episode two weeks ago. We had like three last yeah. time. And I'm still thankful that we even I, had I was those. almost thinking that we got a little overzealous. We should have just saved one of those for this time. <laughs> just ration them? Yeah, just ration out our emails, man. The dude's just like, why didn't you read my email? Like, because I'm going to artificially make it look like people care about the show. That's why. Okay. Well, uh, we'll go ahead and start wrapping up the show. Uh, if you do want to email us, you can go ahead and shoot us an email. Our email address is wittybantershow at gmail.com. And apart from that, before we get into the plugs, we'll go ahead and put our final number on the beer. Okay. What are you feeling, dude? All right. So I think that I we've done a pretty accurate job of describing it. So I think I'm just going to go ahead and put a number on it. I don't really feel any different from my initial descriptions. Okay. I'm going to give this an 8.5. Like a high, Damn, like dude. A, like a high 8.5. So like a great beer. Yes. This is a great beer. This is like a beer I'm stoked about that I learned about. And like you kind of want to get it next time you can't think of something. Yeah, to get. like if I come across Ghost Rider again, I will probably get it if, unless something higher than an 8.5 presents itself. Yeah, damn. Okay. I wasn't yeah. expecting that. I really liked Like there wasn't anything that really took away from it. Like deterred. Me. Yeah, like they're mm-hmm. like, you know. There are some things that you kind of just like describe and they have a positive connotation to them and some things that just don't really have a positive or negative connotation to them. But everything that we describe here for me was either like not positive or negative or mostly positive. Okay. So, you know, I, I got to respect that. I man. can dig that, man. So for mine, I want to go over the, the, the flavor profiles one more time. Please do, because lar- I didn't. <laughs> yeah, but largely I haven't changed just like you haven't. Um, I think the smell is a piney hop and it does smell hoppy. I think that the taste is very thin. You're not getting like an overabundance of flavor, but the flavor that is there is definitely citrusy. I yep. can't tell you what exact fruit it is, but it may be like a mandarin orange or like when I, or just a little bit of sprightliness. Like lim- exactly. There's you just know? something fruity about it. Yeah. Um, it drinks so easy. It yeah. goes down easy and I clean. It. It's so easy to drink. It doesn't weigh you down. And the aftertaste is like a little bit of bitterness that you come to expect from an IPA. Mm-hmm. So, my final number is going to be a 7.5. I'm going to go a little bit lower. Mm-hmm. I, think, I do think this is a very good beer. 
Um, what I would have wanted a little bit more is some flavor in the actual like profile in the mouth, like when you're actually right. drinking it. I would have right. liked a little bit more. I Almost even a little more lingering, maybe. You know, it, it didn't exactly have to linger for me. I just wish I could have tasted what I was tasting a little bit more. Or I wish it was more, more a little more prominent because I enjoyed what I was tasting so much. Right. But that being said, for what this beer is, I think this beer is a great beer to pick up a six-pack, to go outside with some friends, have a refreshing beer. Um, and yeah, I think it's a very, very good beer. Yeah. 7.5. Seven, like, could we put maybe a, um, a situation that we'd like to put this beer with? Grilling and chilling outside. Grilling and chilling. Yeah. I'm totally down with that. Yeah, outside. Maybe floating the river. In the sun, chilling. Yeah. I'm totally down with that for sure. Cool. All right, well, this is the fun part where I get to plug 15,000 things for the show. <laughs> he practices in the mirror at home. Yeah, every day. He's like, Chase, I'm trying to go to bed. We got it. <laughs> we know how to reach Woody Banner. No yeah. one else does, but we do. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, <clears throat> if you want to listen to us every week, you can subscribe to Witty Banter on iTunes. Simply search Witty Banter and then hit subscribe. Every week when you post a show, it'll show up in your download queue. Free of charge and super easy. You can also find the episode on wittybantershow.com. We have a Facebook group. It is witty or it is facebook.com slash wittybanterpodcast. And we are also on Twitter. We are at wittybantershow. And then just apart from the show, I myself am on Twitter. I am at Bodacious Chase. Hunter is at Diesel Dorset. You can follow us there and just see whatever's going through our minds. And other than that, that's pretty much all we got. We actually no, that's not all we got. This has been a very this has been a breakthrough episode. Um, yeah, we filmed this episode. We're recording this. So <laughs> yeah. if you're listening to it on audio, we have a video camera right now. And what we plan on doing is uploading clips of the show onto YouTube. So hopefully soon by the time, you know, maybe a day after you get the actual audio feed, we're going to have clips on YouTube. So if you search Witty Banter on YouTube, you should be able to find us and actually watch some of the segments that you're hearing. Right. And uh, it's just another element of the show that we're excited about and we're ready to get out there. Shout out to the McCombs Media Services Center for letting us be able to access like free you know, media ability without any money at all. Kerflam! <laughs> Thank you, McCombs. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, we're really excited about the fact that we got to uh, put a video aspect to our to our experience. Exactly. So, thank you for listening so much. This has been another week. This is episode number 27, and this is Witty Banter, and we're out of here. Bye. 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 Bye.